0: Annual membership to Exit 5. That's valued at $275 just for checking them out. And the tool is free. If you're not already a member, this is a great opportunity. And if you are and you want to learn more, go to apollo.io slash E5. This episode of the Exit 5 podcast is brought to you by DemandWell. DemandWell is the best SEO solution for B2B SaaS marketers. They've helped customers like Lessonly drive 40% of their revenue from organic search and they help Terminus make Organic Search their number one source of demos. Here's how it works. Number one is results. DemandWell is built for driving the outcomes that B2B marketers care about, demand, traffic, leads, and revenue. Number two is ease and control. Junior team members can follow recommended steps right in the platform, while experts can customize and maintain full control over their work. Number three is speed. With everything in one platform, DemandWell helps you crank out content that ranks and drives leads in minutes rather than hours. SEO expert or not, you can give Demandwell a try, and listeners of the Exit 5 podcast can get a free competitive SEO audit to see just how you're ranking relative to the competition. Go to demandwell.com backslash FOMO, that's F-O-M-O, and you can get a free SEO consultation today right from Demandwell. That's demandwell.com backslash FOMO, F-O-M-O, and you'll get a free SEO consultation today. One, two, three, four, exit. Hey, on this episode of the Exit 5 podcast, this is a live session that we did a couple weeks ago about why it's important for B2B brands to think like media companies. This was for an event that we did for Goldcast. It was an interview myself and Palash, who's the CEO at Goldcast. He They had me as their guest for their chat on this topic. I think it was one of the best, I'd say hour, maybe 30, 45 minutes of going deep on this topic. This is a topic that comes up a lot. People have a lot of questions about this. How do you define a media company? What does it mean to do that? How do you measure it? Why does it work? Why is this a trend right now? We covered all that stuff. And so I wanted to grab that session from them and put it here on the Exit 5 podcast because I know that if you listen to this show, you'll get a lot out of this episode. So here is my conversation with Palash about being a media company as a B2B brand. Exit
1: 5. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining in. I'm Palash. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Goldcast. And welcome to the event. I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's a pretty nice sunny afternoon, at least here in Boston. So please let us know where you are from on the chat. I'm glad that you joined us on a, on a pretty, presumably a pretty busy afternoon. But speaking of excited, we at Goldcast here are super excited. We raised our Series A last week. And we are all super jazzed to be doing a lot of things that we were waiting for the money to come in <laughs> and, and pull the trigger on. So lots of great things, lots of great stuff happening here. But this event is, is not about fundraise. We are not going to bore you with VC speak. We will talk about something bigger, right? Something that is top of mind for me and for my team as we build this company. And that is the underlying sort of obvious but also non-obvious shift in marketing, right? of B2B companies becoming media companies. And this all kind of starts with actually the man on the right of me. So we were, Kishore and I were at, at Harvard Business School, and this is like two and a half years back when we were deep in B2B marketing, event marketing. And we were always keen to hear speakers, and, and BG made a, a guest appearance at, at HBS. And he gave a 30-minute talk on, and we were expecting something, you know, very numbers-heavy and something cookie-cutter-ish about what he did at Drift. What we got was something so obvious and so powerful about you know, how you build content, how you create an audience that Kishore, my co-founder, and I were like, "Dude, this is mind blowing!" <laughs> and so we wrote a cold email to DG actually at that time, and DG responded one and a half years later. <laughs> and here we are, we are <laughs> working together, and I'm super excited to have uh, DG with me here.
0: Can I add a funny <laughs> anecdote as to how that how that happens? So when I started to think about like working for myself and uh, I knew I wanted to do some work one-on-one with startups in some capacity and I didn't see your email, you know, it just happens, right? And um, last fall, I was doing a bunch of like speaking webinar virtual events type stuff in it. And I'm not, this is not hyperbole. Like it was three or four times in a row on Goldcast and I was like goldcast goldcast why does that sound familiar and then I went to my inbox and I did a search for goldcast and sure enough I had that email from Kishore and I was like yes let's let's work together it was just like a year and a half later and I just pretended like it didn't happen so
1: that's awesome so cold emails are not dead yet
0: <laughs> no they're not dead you just have to get lucky when I when I was at Drift we got a feature they used to have this thing in the New York Times called the CEO uh, called the corner office I don't know if they still have it which is like every Sunday it was like a column about a, about a CEO. And, uh, we really wanted to get David Cancel on it, who's CEO, tried all this crazy stuff, all these PR pitches. I, no joke. I was sitting on the couch on a Sunday watching football and I just cold emailed this guy. It was like a three line email and he happened to respond. And so like, I think there is some, sometimes you do just have to send that random email and be like, you know what, let's see what happens. It, (laughs) <laughs> there's there's not always like a rhyme or reason to it.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, love it, love it, DG. So just a little bit of housekeeping. So we have a lot, lot of content, great sessions planned in on how this trend is playing out, and some of the thought leaders in the space are going to talk about it. So lots to engage here. We have a poll open, so please go to the polls tab on the right and please answer that poll. And we would love to know your opinion. And then we have Q and A Q&A tab, which you can go in and ask questions. We'll try to answer them. There is a raise hand button that you would see at the bottom. So you can raise hand, come on stage and talk live to us and ask a question. And last but not the least, we have subtitles and captions. So if you want it in what we are speaking in another language, you can just hover on the stage, click on captions, and voila, you'll have translations like, like Netflix. So
0: <laughs> awesome. Wait. So did you- That's amazing. So you could hear me in a different, would it actually subtitle me in different language?
1: No, sorry, it's like text subtitles, yes, okay. but in a different language, so you yeah. can...
0: I mean, it makes it way more accessible. That's great.
1: It is, it is, yeah. We right. have a lot of this international, is your thing. Go ahead. <laughs> international uh, customers, so it's a thing. Awesome. So, DG, my first question is, just to set context, right? What does it mean for a marketing team to be like a media company? We are all... Marketing teams do a lot of things, right? They're generally super stretched, very tough role. We are you know, seeing it firsthand. What does, can we articulate this in a simple manner? What does it mean to be a media company?
0: Yes. So I think this has been a narrative that's been around in marketing for a while. And I think like, you know, HubSpot are some of the OGs of this with, inbound. actually somebody recently was like, on some post, like, isn't this just inbound marketing? And it's like, kind of, there are pieces of that. And like, but like, I think the thing has changed. And so like a decade ago when HubSpot was starting out talking about inbound marketing, It was basically like nobody was doing any type of content marketing at all. It was just straight up direct sales, sell our product. Then all of a sudden there became the rise of the internet gave way to so much information about any product or service that you're going to buy. So it made it hard to compete in that world. And so in that world, you created content to bring people in. And so, hey, we sell, this is a bad example, but whatever, I'm not good at these on the fly. We sell water bottles. We're going to create content about things around water bottles. And so when you need one, you're going to buy from us, right? And that's kind of what everybody has spent the last decade or so doing SEO, blogging, content. But I think now we're just, we're in a different era where when we talk about like, don't build a marketing team, build a media company. I think it's more about like understanding how hard it is to do marketing today and how many things are working against you. People don't want to be marketed to, they don't want to see your ads, they don't want to. Read your cold emails. And there's 10,000, you know, like think about your space alone, Palash. Like, how many other companies say that they're in this space of, you know, virtual events, webinars, live? There's a million of them, right? And so I think the way that you have to think is like, okay, well, how can we cut through that noise? And how can we meet people on the channels that they're already at? Not even from a marketing perspective, but a straight up, education and entertainment perspective. And so I know that like if I want to sell something, I'll use goldcast as an example, I want to sell software to event marketers, right? The best thing you could do as a marketing strategy, at least in my opinion, I think we're here today because you believe that, is to become one of the leading resources for that event marketing person. That doesn't mean that you you only talk about event marketing stuff, but really you focus on getting inside the head of that event marketing person and it's, Hey, what, is, what does this person care about as a person outside of work? What are they reading? What are they listening to? What are they watching? And it's about thinking about how can we be the provider of that. And I think I say media company, and I'm not the I didn't come up with this. I just it's many people have said this before, right? But I say media company because something happens inside of a revenue generating, goal oriented business. A lot of us are are in SaaS that are here today. We make different decisions. So if it was just like me and Palash, we wanted to start a fun. Facebook group and a podcast about the office, our favorite TV show. The things we would do to grow that would be way different if it was just me and you with no metrics. But if all of a sudden if we're in a SaaS company and we're like, well, these are two salaried yes. employees, yeah. they got to spend time on this, they got to spend budget on this. How do we know if this yeah. is working? What about all these 15 other things? And so when you do those things, you, you make a lot of trade-offs and end up kind of making like shitty decisions. And so I think yes. it, it does all come back to like the first principles of like, I want to get this person's attention and yep. get trust and credibility, so when I'm ready to sell them something, I can do that. I, I use this example a lot. I don't, I don't know if I'm ever gonna do this, but I'll give this example anyway. I love golf. I've thought, man, I'd love to start a business in golf. Probably a terrible idea. If I was gonna do that, the thing that I would do right now would be start a podcast, or start a TikTok page, or start a community, or start a newsletter, and build the audience first, and then sell to them later, and I think that's where you're seeing more companies do intentionally, and, and I think this is why we're here today, which is like, yeah. this is the modern marketing strategy. You're not going to win on features and benefits. You have yeah. to be able to attract and keep attention from the people that you want to sell to.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, DG. And then I think you brought something up, which is very relevant, right? And that's something that we always discuss. Marketing teams are always on fire, right? They, like There's so much expectation from VC backed companies, especially, right? Which about short-term demand, and there are targets, and things have to move fast, right? And this strategy is like a long-term strategy right and so how does say i know a lot of people who are joining us today are owning demand and pipeline for their companies like right? how did they think about it how did you think about it at drift because i know dc dc is pretty pretty strict on targets right and growth and things like that so how did you get buy-in from him how did you both like architect this
0: so i got really lucky in that number one i worked for a founder david who believed in this approach, and it's why we got along so well, and it's what clicked with me even in interviewing there. He was like, I believe this is happening in the market, and so we wanna hire a marketing team to help us build an audience first. So that's like, if I'm a marketer in this room, I'm like, fundamentally, does the CEO or founder, whoever, do they they see marketing that way? When the company was started in the very early days, one of the earlier things that they did was we launched uh, Seeking Wisdom, which is our podcast, and. We were still six months out from really like truly selling our product and building out a sales team. Okay. And so I had the luxury of like, there wasn't very strict and hard sales goals in those first couple months. The mission was like, hey, let's build an audience. And what's funny is the way that we built the audience was through not ever really talking about or selling our product. It was about this kind of tangential show, Seeking Wisdom, which is about kind of startup and career and life type of lessons. But those same people happen to be in our audience because we were trading on the brand of David Cancel, who is a well-known founder in the MarTech space. And so when you start to think about from a strategy standpoint, well, this person's kind of already well-known. Okay, interesting. He had a, lot, had a bunch of followers on Twitter, but he hadn't ever really done anything else. And when he tweeted, his tweets went viral. And when he wrote yes. stuff, a lot of eyeballs got on it. And so we were like, yeah. man, if we create a podcast and he can say those things on air. And so we took those, we we made those bets and, and launched that podcast. And the Venn diagram of people who could buy Drift were also listening to that show. But a couple of weeks in, a couple of months in, we started to get inbound messages, Twitter DMs, yeah. LinkedIn DMs, emails, somebody coming first people coming into the website and like when we were ready to sell like asking for a demo and where did they hear about us was the podcast and so we didn't have to i didn't have to spend a lot of my time trying to justify it because we did it and i say this so often like we started doing it and now there's there's a feeling for it that is much harder to quantify that you can feel and like you you know this right like how would yeah. you quantify all of the Stuff like this that you've done from Goldcast, is there some perfect yeah. way to correlate that to pipeline? There's yeah. not. Maybe yes. uh, Chris Walker is talking a lot about self-reported attribution, which I think is smart and would be would be easy to do. Um, yeah. But but outside of that, it, it's not going to be this this very spreadsheet-driven thing. And so I think going back to like being a marketer, to me, the fun part is about the creativity. It's about coming up with ideas and taking bets on channels and having a hypothesis like, hey, we want to reach event people. Nobody in our space is doing it, is doing it this way. We want to do it this way. You have to actually go out and, and have a bias for like, we're going to have a, an idea. We're going to do our research. We're going to have an idea and we're going to ship it. And so for us, it was seeking wisdom and we quickly iterated on that. And we saw the connection, the relationship that we created with listeners. And so we wanted to continue to build on that and do more brand-driven marketing. I think the hard part is when we talk about demand gen, even yes. my brain does it. When you say demand gen, in my head, yeah. I instantly think SEO, SEM, SQL. <laughs> advertising, SQ, funnel optimization, yeah. all that stuff. It's like, hold on, just zoom all the way out and be like, the company is GoldCast yes. in this example. We want more people to know about GoldCast. How would we go about doing that? It's we We yeah. often get so focused on the measurement on the way in, it's like... I get frustrated when people, they ask early on, like, well, how how do we know this is going to scale? It's like, we don't. Let's figure that out. Like, let's shrink this down to a smaller project, find a way we can test this idea, and then we'll be able to scale it to scale it later. I mean, there's there's 15 different things in in that rant, but that was a lot of how we got there. If you're at a more mature company and you want to do this, I think the way to do it is to shrink it down into a smaller experiment and like, Show your boss or whoever, like ship something small. Do do five episodes of the podcast. Do one event and and build on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is. I think you already answered this question. How do That's we convince we our
0: leadership that building an audience first is crucial? How do we dedicate resources? To, well, I, I think I, I would just ask you back this question: Like, how do you, how do you buy? <laughs> right. Like, when was the last time you're like, huh? You know what? Uh, that oh, they nurtured me properly. Like, I'm ready I'm ready to buy this now. It just doesn't rarely happen that way. And so I think typically, you don't have to adopt this approach, but I think it gives you an advantage. And so if if you can do it, if you can build an audience first, you don't just get customers from that, by the way. You get to basically foolproof a lot of your marketing ideas. It's like one of the things people miss about LinkedIn, it's not just about vanity metrics and followers. Yeah. One of the biggest things that's helped me with marketing over the last five years is like, I feel like I know I, I'm basically testing content on LinkedIn. And so if you're a company and you're able to like write a LinkedIn post, we saw this with David, he wrote, he wrote a post about how he never hires. And, and you and I did a whole chat about yes. like, what you're on LinkedIn, you were like, you should get an MBA. Yes. He did this whole, he did, he had this whole rant about why he doesn't want to hire MBAs and that post <laughs> blew up. And so we were like, oh, let's do something with this. And so what, what do we do? We turn that into a podcast episode we then turn that into a, an event. We turn it into a follow-on content. And so I think like the other thing that people miss with building an audience, it's still don't go back to the demand gen mindset. Go back to the, like, the let's figure out what's going to resonate with this audience. So if we've already tested this on social, you can bring it in. And then, and then maybe the demand gen offer is going to convert better because you've already tested that in some way with your ICP.
1: Yeah. That's a great point, Ed. I have a lot of questions, but since we talked about channel, this is what people are, are resonating with. So, pretty interesting to see YouTube. I was expecting LinkedIn to be at the top of this, but that's great. I think we need to do something.
0: TikTok has <laughs> definitely got to be higher. I think we're yes. all wait. Can we just uh, the in, in the chat? There's a question from Asher. I just want to make sure that we touch on this. Which is, did we already define what is a media company? No, <laughs> I don't. I don't have a great definition. I'm not. I'm not that smart. I don't have a textbook perfect definition for what a media company is. I like to use it as like a. Think about, I would put it back on you. And so sort of like, think of a blog, podcast, newsletter, content creator that you follow and think about their approach to marketing. And that's a little bit how I think about it. Another example in the B2B world is like um, Sales Hacker, right? Sales yes. Hacker basically built a media company focused on educating sales pros. And so what that meant is they just had, they don't they don't sell a product, they don't sell a physical or digital product or, or a software product, right? They have, con, it's mainly like a content first Model it doesn't mean you have to monetize it, but that's how I think about it. Why would you answer that, Plush?
1: No, that's a great point. G. I think one thing that stood out to me in our conversations was that the content doesn't have to be about that specific market, right? Like a lot of companies would post funny content, right, or, or content that is funny in uh, and related to their audience, but not talking about the specific field all the time. And even things like what you are saying, right? These these things also tie into things like personal brand, et etc. But they ultimately attract. Attract the audience towards your content. So, yeah, I think content is the product. That's how I would define it, right? The content is, and, and there's
0: thing. lots of different ways like that people execute this. So, one example is like Tom Wentworth, who's a CMO of uh, Recorded Future, right? He went and hired like a NPR former NPR cybersecurity journalist, yeah, and that person now writes about cybersecurity stuff. I don't, <laughs> I don't know cybersecurity that well. Uh, on behalf of them. But it, but they don't lead with, hey, we're a software company. They lead with the, the media first and then building that audience and the association that it gets by being powered by them, I think is super smart. And that, that's one way you could also do it.
1: Awesome. So DJ, the other question that I had was, given the cost of content production is coming down, right? It's, uh, it's very easy for anyone to get content out. How should brands think about standing out, right? They say there's always this risk of everyone trying to do the same thing, right? How do brands stand out in this in this cacophony?
0: I mean, I would say, don't do the same thing. <laughs> this is the fun part of marketing to me, which is like you can't just blindly like I wouldn't if I was a B two B SaaS company listening right now. Like I wouldn't just be like I'm going to start a podcast, okay? I would say, well, well, why? Let's let's go run the five whys on that, right? So maybe you want to start a podcast because you know what you've had a personal podcast for the last five years and you're like really good at growing podcasts and you know that in and out. And so you think that you might have better luck creating that than, Oh, we're going to start a YouTube channel, but we don't have the budget to hire somebody to do video right now. And we're not going to figure out video in house. So should you start a YouTube channel? Probably not. So like, I like to think just like very, very basic, like first principles type stuff, kind of do one of those analysis. Like what skills do you have internally? Right? Uh, What do you have from a budget and time standpoint? Because maybe you do have budget. Maybe so you can go spend 15, 20 grand and and have a content agency like work with you on developing this, right? But also you have to look at the market and look at. Hey, it's Dave. This episode of the Exit 5 podcast is brought to you by Apollo.io. If you share a pipeline goal with your sales team, then you care about the deliverability rate of your team's outbound emails. No email visibility means no meetings. This becomes the silent nightmare for us marketers. You often don't even know that this is happening. And the most common cause of it, it's actually an easy one to fix. You're not using the right tool. That's why hundreds of marketers at companies like Mutiny are switching to Apollo.io. Apollo has every tool you need to power your entire outbound and inbound motions. Yep, that's right. I said inbound emails too. You can ask their team about it. Marketers using Apollo have seen outbound email deliverability jump from 62% to 98% after making the switch. 98%, that means more replies, more meetings, and of course, more booked pipeline. Want to see what type of results you can get? Head over to Apollo.io slash e5, Apollo.io slash e5 right now, and book a meeting with their team to get set up. And as a thank you for your time they will give you a free annual Exit 5 membership for booking a meeting that's valued at $275. Go check them out, apollo.io slash e5. The landscape. Now, there's always going to be an appetite for something different and something better. And so that could be one approach. But I also think the opportunity is to maybe maybe have a smaller niche. Maybe you niche all the way down and you only focus on one particular thing. And, and who cares if the thing that you're building ever reaches more than 100 or 200 people what if that's the perfect fit? What if that's your ICP? You don't need to have a podcast that has a million downloads a month or 2,000 people on, on a live event. So I would start there. I would also think a lot about, I think that we're shifting in this new era now. Actually, we're in it, which is 10 years ago. This was like the HubSpot era. You could basically like, because you had a blog, the content didn't have to be that good and you could rank and you could basically take that content and kind of just plaster it everywhere. And because you were early on all those channels, you would build yes. it up. That doesn't work anymore. And you have to be able to create audience, uh, channel-specific content. And so you can't yes. just take this recording and upload it on YouTube and ha- that's your YouTube strategy. No. You need to have an actual YouTube strategy. So what content yes. works on YouTube? What content works on TikTok? So what content works in a, in a newsletter? What makes a successful LinkedIn page successful? Yes. Starting with those things and then working from there and be like, okay, now these are the things that we've gone, we've audited ourselves internally, we've looked externally at the competition, what the market opportunity is. And I say that part because you do want to try to operate from a position of power where if like nobody in your industry has started a podcast, maybe that might be an easier way to, yes. to, to get started. Yeah. And then the last piece of that is like, which one or two channels? I think the more you can focus on one, maybe I'm not even gonna say two, maybe one channel as like the core way to start doing this for you all it's been these live events because this is your product obviously and you're really doing a good job lately on linkedin right gong was very focused on just linkedin in the early days and they kind of used they leverage that all into one big thing and phew, what never works, and I've I've made this mistake over and over again, what never work is taking one thing and just kind of peanut buttering across channels. That's why every B2B SaaS company has 71 views on a YouTube video and yeah. <laughs> followers on the Twitter account. I'd much rather see you like kill all those channels and be like, We're not gonna I don't care if we have a Twitter, I don't care if we have an Instagram, I don't care if we have YouTube, we're focusing on LinkedIn and that's our strategy. I think that makes such a difference in this phase also.
1: Absolutely. I think, DG, what you said is like the channel specific strategy, that's something media companies do amazingly well, right? If you look at BuzzFeed, right, the kind of articles that they do and then their TikTok channel and, and their Facebook, it's all different, kind of the same.
0: You also can build like now, okay, yes. now, now you've cracked one channel, you've figured out LinkedIn, you've been yes. kind of getting some feedback at scale. I would, much, I would feel much better about being like, oh, we figured out this LinkedIn thing. Now let's go try to do this on another channel, channel number two. Yeah. So often what happens is we try to do all the channels. And this is where the discipline of being able to be like, nope, we're not doing any of those channels. We are focusing on this. Here's why. And we're here, we're gonna give it six months minimum to commit to this Mm -hmm. as to build.
1: I know. There was one interesting thing that I ran into. So Eric from Hatch, I was speaking with him about podcasts and how it's going to become important in B2B, right? And he's a big believer in this thesis. And he said, you know what works best in B2B podcasts or any podcast for that matter? People come in to listen, not because they are interested in content. They obviously are, but that's not the number one reason. Because they feel that they are friends with the host. And so that was like a big revelation for me. That's like a very channel specific thing that I didn't know. I didn't appreciate. But I think being channel specific is, is a big one.
0: There's lots of ways to do that. Also, like I've seen, like a um, Redpoint VC TikTok channel, like they hired someone to do that and and run it. So you don't have to do it internally, right? You can yeah. use your budget, time, resources creatively to be like, I don't have to be the face of this. If not me, how can I be the guide for other people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also think that this kind of changes the kind of skill sets you will look. You would look at marketers in different channels. But I'll come to that question before this question from Devin. How do you think about adopting marketing trends versus? choosing to carve your own path do you assess the longevity of strategy and acknowledge short-term opportunities
0: um i think you're constantly balancing both i think adopting market trends I, I don't think it's a binary thing where like you have to look usually if you're saying it in this context the way i'm interpreting it is it's like doing what everyone else is doing versus carving your own path. So I would, I would learn, it's important to know what marketing trends are important. So like for example, why is short form video content like the way to consume information right now? But can your take on that be the way that you carve your own path? I think you have to use them as inputs, but then there's also, you know, you also have the opportunity to just do something completely opposite. Like everything has gone digital, but we're doing a print newspaper. <laughs> that we're going to mail out to our top 100 accounts, you know, every every quarter. I think we tend to live in a very safe like marketing box when typically you can take bigger swings and you can do things better in the early days is, is how I would put it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, DG, we are almost out of time. We have one more question where I would love to hear your opinion. So, early stage marketing is hard in general, right? But early stage marketing is super hard and in every way. And so I would and you have done this twice successfully. Given this context of the the change in how marketers should approach marketing and what's working, what's not working, what would be your like one advice to marketers? What is there something that they can do today that would help them a lot in in balancing all these like short term and long term goals while being able to build a media company?
0: Yeah, I would I would say before I even went and built a media company, I think this is one strategy that you could take. I think the one takeaway and the places that I've seen marketing be successful is when the company and marketing can articulate what their marketing strategy is. And it seems so obvious and so simple but there's so many companies we're just we're just doing a bunch of things and I so like oh I I was on this webinar today and they said build a media company and so we're starting a podcast like don't don't go do that. I think this is one way that you can go it, it's a philosophy and so you so like you need to have a strong opinion about how are we going to do marketing at this company. And so if you are drift five years, you know, five, six years ago, and you're looking at the market, and it's a really competitive market, your bet is that we're going to do, we're going to try to build a brand, and we're going to do it this way, because no one in our space has done it this way. And so therefore, the types of marketing that we need to do is X, Y, and Z, because that becomes then, you need guidelines and guardrails for how you're going to do marketing, then you can think about what does demand gen look like? What is this media company piece look like? I think when you try to operate, that's when everything competes. Ideally, if you do this right, it's additive to demand gen because you're building yeah. brand awareness and you're building brand affinity and you're building an audience. There's not a demand gen leader in the world that wouldn't say that that's going to be not helpful for doing the demand gen thing but so a, a lot of people that i and I made this mistake myself were just just doing stuff you've got to be able to articulate what what is your marketing strategy first
1: yeah that's a great point DT. and that's not it's obviously not not easy uh, I think one thing I learned from. From you and talking to Kip at UpSpot and all, you know, great CMOs we host is that marketers, like the top marketers think like founders, like they'll figure out the niche first, the market first, and then go in with the strategy. So I wish we had more time for the session, yep. but we have around two hundred and fifty people live right now. That's awesome. That's that's fantastic. And thanks, Tiji, thanks a lot.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Exit 5 Podcast. If you're in B2B marketing and you wanna grow your career, you should also go and check out everything that we have over at exit5.com. We've got articles, we've got videos, we've got templates. Plus, we have a community, a community of over 4,000 B2B marketing pros. Whether you're deep in your career and wanna connect with your peers or just starting up and you want a place to go where you can see what people are talking about, get smarter about B2B marketing in your own time to grow your career and help grow your company, Go and check it out. It's exit5.com. You can get on the email list there. You can join the community. There's 4,000 marketers in the community. We have a job board. We're always adding new stuff. It's really becoming the number one place you can go if you want to grow your career and learn more about B2B marketing outside of what you're doing inside of your company every day. So check it out. exit5.com. annual membership to exit five that's valued at 275 dollars just for checking them out and the tool is free if you're not already a member this is a great opportunity and if you are and you want to learn more go to apollo.io slash e5